Since she last appeared on this podcast, our featured guest, Kathy Harms, has advanced from a local and regional expert to become one of the foremost experts in election integrity. Kathy exposes some disturbing trends in Tennessee elections, showing how the federal government is working with leftist organizations to improperly influence not only our elections, but the culture as a whole. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Sounds like what they do at the Capitol. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Artist. Oof. Sorry, man. I'm bad at that. Kathy, you know the artist? Pink Floyd. Kathy's sitting there, like quietly nodding her head, so that because she hasn't gotten her official introduction. They should just, they should just play this at the beginning of every legislative session, <laughs> exactly. right when they hit the gavel. It just cue, cue the music. What's amazing is today we're going to. The reason I started with this is because we're going to talk about the influence of money from outside the state, right? And to kind of launch that topic today. We've re-invited and, and had a return, or have a return here, of our good friend, Kathy Harms, who, Kathy, I think the last time you came here, you were what I would consider a local regional expert, but now you've kind of been launched into the stratosphere where you are on all of these national calls and you've become quite the foremost expert in election integrity. So welcome back. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Kathy gets invited to speak now more than I do. Nobody calls me anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, Kathy is so far down the road with election integrity issues that she'll talk in code. And I'll be like, wait, 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 slow down. I don't even know what those words mean. We need a glossary. Yes. So this this invitation, Kathy, was spurred on by emails that I was copied on that address so many issues, and I want, to, I want to try to break it down, and I'll let you get into it. But what we're talking about today here is we're springboarding from most of our audience remembers back in 2020, so-called Zuckerbucks, right, which went and influenced elections by funding a lot of the shenanigans that went on with regard to ballot harvesting, right? And so now we're seeing that even though we have a statute, which I'm going to let you lead on, a statute in the state of Tennessee which addresses or is supposed to address this issue, there's a gap in the statute. There's an exception that allows this money to still come in. And um, so why don't you tell us about the letter you sent to Chairman Rudd, who's chairman of... The Subcommittee on Elections okay. and Local and State Government Chair. All right. So Tim Rudd. And these two letters that you sent him this week as well as other people on the committee, right, was to alert them... In, in the Tennessee House, by the way, just, sorry, just for yeah. the audience. Yeah. To alert them to what was going on under our noses, or maybe not even under, like, right out in broad daylight. Correct. Well, to back it up just a, a hair, uh, since I've been involved with uh, election integrity, we have partnered with the Election Integrity Network nationally 
headed up by Cleta Mitchell and the Virginia Institute. They also work with many other think tanks like the Foundation for Public Account, uh, Government Accountability, the Honest Election Project, uh, the John Locke Foundation, etc. And as a part of that, we have a lot of what are national working groups. And the way I got involved with that was Andrea Gomez, who works with Citizens for Renewing America, Russ Vote, yep. Wade Miller. She the, works here in the state, of, <clears throat> lives and works here in the state of Tennessee. Correct. She's the Tennessee liaison for Citizens for Renewing America. And she called me up and said, "I we need to start a state coalition as a part of this election integrity network. And I said, well, you know, I was game for about anything. We need help because we're not getting traction on elections. And I was just stunned by what Andrea had uncovered and what she brought us to, which is tremendous. She does tremendous work in this state. And as she rolled out the state coalition, I became a part of that. And I got on these national working group calls, and there's several of them. And I think it's really important to start out by reminding people that elections are an ecosystem. One part is a lever that can affect another part. So these are not isolated. Everybody thinks technology is everything, and that if you just got rid of technology tomorrow, everything would be okay. Mm -hmm. This is not true. And that's what we're coming and we're discovering, is that you could get rid of technology tomorrow, some of the machines is what I'm talking about, and administer an election in such a way as to affect the outcome. And then as part of these national working groups, we have things like voter rolls, technology, but one of the major working groups is called the Citizens Research Working Group. And Ned Jones runs that uh, group for Cleta Mitchell. Mm -hmm. It meets once a week. And on these calls, Ned started alerting us because in 2020, he had the same questions everybody else had. How did this happen? And what he came to find out is there are so many groups that are involved from on a national level, pumping money into states in the millions of dollars to affect the outcomes of elections. And the most uh, famous of all the, of the Zuckerberg litigations was in right. Wisconsin. And what the courts decided was that you cannot target one population, whether with this uh, quote unquote Zuckerberg money. And um, so, which, which, by the way, if I remember, there was some presentation, I believe I was there with you somewhere. I can't recall where it was, but they had tracked that a few million dollars of those Zuckerbucks made its way into Davidson County. In one, of the, in one of those reports. Yes. And that was something that, as I've been working on this, and everybody looks at voter rolls, and, which are important. That's a working group. And we would look at the technology. But then I'm unraveling this administrative issue, and I'm listening to these calls from Ned. And so we formulated, uh, we threw this out to the state. We have a call mm-hmm. every Friday for this our own Tennessee State Coalition. Right. There are about 20 states now that are up and running on these coalitions. And people started to do public records requests, FOIA type mm-hmm. things for people who don't know what that is. And I mean, all over the state. And who would think that Lincoln County would be a target for one of these groups? Okay, so let me slow you down there. Tell us, let's step back for a second. Let's talk about the statutory authority because you make reference of that to that in a couple of your letters. Let's talk about what the Tennessee statute says, and it is Title Two. Two, right? Mm-hmm. Section two, Title two. Uh. Well, there's two different ones that I addressed this week. One has to do with the voter registration process, and the other one directly to um, the Zuckerberg issue. Okay, let's talk about the registration process, which was the subject of your first letter, right? Correct, and I'll tell you why. Because as these great people across the state of Tennessee that are on our weekly call 
which are, they're just great, from Shelby County to Knox. And they started doing these public records requests, asking what they had in their county that would alert us to if any of this money was coming in. And one individual worked in Davidson County and she uncovered this, there's a group called, and there's so many of these groups, they pop up every week. One is called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty innocuous. Well, it has like $400 million from Mark Zuckerberg and his Mm -hmm. wife. They pumped into a new organization called the U.S. Alliance. And uh, in the U.S. Alliance, they gave them $80 million to go out into college campuses particularly, and they have to do voter registration. And what we found just in Davidson County on Vanderbilt and Belmont's university campuses is this subset of all of this called the All-In Challenge. It's to get kids on these campuses a one and done, register them to vote. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I'm looking at, okay, we have these registering, you know, they're registering kids to vote. But then all of a sudden I'm seeing we had, in, you know, we had some activists showed up recently in Nashville. Right. And I was getting calls that there was another group out in Shelby County that was putting out what you, I guess you could call it a dog whistle or a flash mob. And this was a voter registration group doing this. And so you have the the, the college campuses that are being kind of recruited and you have this voter group that's registering another different group out in Shelby County. And I'm thinking there's a connection here. How are they getting to these voters? How are they getting there? Because voter roll information by statute in the state of Tennessee, you can purchase it but it's to be used for election purposes. And it can't, my understanding is you cannot obtain any personally identifiable information, right? Well, you can get the voter record and there is some information on that voter record that you can purchase from the no, state, from your county and your state. It's personally it's identifiable. Got you've, got, mm-hmm. you've got name, address, phone number, and sometimes even an email address. But they What can, is it that's prohibited then in the statute? In the statute, when you actually register somebody to vote, you cannot keep that information. You cannot make copies of it while you're registering them to vote, except, now this is the big exception that I found in the statute. It says, unless the person or organization informs the applicant how the applicant's personal information will be used by the person or organization and the applicant expressly consents in writing or electronically. So how to tell me practically how that's being violated or how that's being used uh, how, for an exception. Well, while they're doing their voter registration drive, they'll have them check a box and they'll tell and to allow them to keep this information. So they get their cell phone, they get their address, they get their email, and they are contacted by these organizations. They give them the permission at the time of the voter registration drive. And these voter registration drives are being driven with this money that's coming in from out of state. That's one of the big issues here is that this is not equally taking this money and doing these voter registration drives in multiple different areas. And that was the problem with the Zuckerbuck litigation was that they were targeting. Now you're targeting, and it's not just the colleges, it's high school age. Mm-hmm. And so when this activity happened in Nashville a few weeks ago, they're sending me pictures from Shelby County of kids in high school smiling with their voter registration slip from this organization. <clears throat> so you Clearly kids who are in high school, but at least 18 yeah, years old. Yes, yeah. yes. So you said, and you, you made the tie, I want to go a little bit deeper to make sure that people understand 
this connection. You say while while harvesting this data is not illegal, if it's in compliance with the statute, we're concerned about the activism being promulgated by many of these groups. For instance, Voter Alliance, which is one of the organizations you mentioned, was the primary sponsor of the buses that came into Nashville several weeks ago during the House expulsion hearing, right? So all of these people that showed up happened to be sponsored by, funded by, partners with several of the organizations, and you say even including Planned Parenthood. So there's this linkage between all of the left's groups that organize and the uh, quote-unquote voter alliance voter registration group. Correct. Exactly. Well, on point of clarity, correct me if I'm wrong, I think, think too, the issue is, well, it's twofold. It's one, collecting the information and what it's being used for, and it's also using the information that exists. So, for example, and I know this not only because I run a 501c4, but I was also a candidate. So, as a candidate, I went to my local election commission office, um, I think it was 50 bucks, and purchased the data by law. And that gave, I, I got every voter record. I think there's somewhere in the neighborhood of about 185,000 voter records just in Williamson County. Now, I have access to all that data. And like I said before, that's names, addresses, phone numbers, and then their their voting history. Of course, not who they voted for, but what elections they voted in. But the key is, according to law, I can only use that data specifically for elections. So the law allows me to to access that data and utilize it to proselytize for elections and elections only. But I can't take that data and use it for any other purposes. I can't start sending, oh, look, I've got this data. I can't start sending mail on behalf of my 501c4 or any other activist effort that I want to utilize it for. And I think that law not only applies to purchasing and using the data, but also collecting the data and what it's being used for. So the the issue, really, the tie is what we're finding out, is you have all of this money coming in from out of state, and they're coming in collecting data under the guise of get out the vote and, and, and voter registration, when in reality, it's all a ploy to collect data really to turn it into activism, mm-hmm. which in the state of Tennessee, is illegal. Correct. Correct. And that is also a violation. There is an IRS statute, as I've been looking at this in the last couple of weeks. It's never really been, I I don't think, tested or many have actually taken it to court because 501c3s, these other organizations, are technically in violation of their nonprofit status to be able to come in and harvest this data for another purpose. And so that is an IRS violation. So, but nobody, like I said, the has government, pushed it. The IRS never goes after left-leaning C3s and C4s, right? They seem to only no, target those who are Christians, those who believe in ordered liberty, those who uphold the Constitution according to the founders' intents. But if you want to, if you want to get yourself engaged in a color revolution, you want to destroy all of the order upon which we were founded— all of a sudden, the IRS is not there. <laughs> well, Kevin, if they went after the left or prosecuted the, the left, then they wouldn't have these organizations to come and help prop up the gun control <laughs> argument and take away the oh Second Amendment, gosh. Kevin. I mean, how would they wouldn't be able to accomplish their mission. How would they do it, Gary? <laughs> and that is exactly there and what lies the problem. And I think that that was um, 
the negative consequence for them, I think, of activating this, they didn't know we were watching. And we are awake now. We are watching. We are looking at these. And when, it's, it's like I said, as soon as this, these buses were activated, I got, okay, look at this, look at this. And it was all the flyers, everything sent out via email, text. People in Davidson County were getting it. People in Shelby County were mm-hmm. getting it. And they mobilized. And that is the definition of AstroTurf. I mean, they always um, want to accuse us of not being a true grassroots movement, but this is AstroTurf when you're giving a pizza to the poles and that kind of thing, and you're hopping them on a bus and you're probably feeding them Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. on the way and pizza on the way home. That term AstroTurf, when that first came out, I remember Nancy Pelosi, was it in the 2016 elections cycle? Whenever it was, she first said it as if everybody knew what it was. I had never heard the term before, but it shows you how long the left has been astroturfing things that they would turn around and accuse us. She what, just got a little. Would you? She, would she you mind? Would you mind explaining that term for me, please? It's a fake movement. It's the idea, and this is the pressure. Fake movement, just just like astroturf is not real grass. This right? is right. It's fake grassroots driven by. Oh. They're being told what to stick. This is um, really truly creating bots what to say, what to think, how to Mm. think, get him on a bus for three hours from Shelby. You're telling him what to do, how to do it. And it's because they can, they have access to the data. They have funding. Can you imagine us trying to get bus loads of people? And I mean, it takes us weeks to get money for anything. And they have money available. They have sponsors that are willing to step in with them, partners all over the place. And that to me is not, that's the faux outrage because they're not truly grounded in anything. And when they come into the the city and then we're told we have to surrender a right based on a movement like that, I think we should all be concerned. Yeah. All built off of, of course, quote unquote, voter registration. It's, and it's really interesting you bring this up because actually I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm thinking about all of these movements and websites and digital advertisings. I see on, uh, advertisements on Facebook, all the things that are happening around all these really slick marketing campaigns, usually left leaning and on college campuses about get out the vote and all that. And you think to yourself, is there this much funding and money around getting out the vote or is there something else? And clearly it, it's it's something else. I mean, literally seeing all that and hearing what you're saying, it makes a lot more sense now because really all of those movements are about funneling all of these individuals and funding all of the activism that we're seeing. It's not it's not get out the vote. Correct. And I think this leads to so many other aspects. Like I said, this is an ecosystem when it comes to elections. And when you are putting vote centers on college campuses that are, first of all, being fun, these these uh, voter registration drives funded by the All In Challenge, mm-hmm. for instance, then you have their data then you have these programs and they're free. They can download pizza to the polls, all of these things that they get these kids to do. And then you put a vote center in there. Then you've got vulnerable voters. Now you have a situation. Are they really a voter that's living in the state of Tennessee? They're on college campuses. And we're. this all goes back to the precinct. I mean, there's so many tentacles to this. And you can see why they want things like vote centers on a college campus. So, Kathy, I want to talk about I think it's important that our audience understand what's happening in Shelby County and in Lincoln County, because this brings it home. Gary and I always joke about how people have told us and suggested to us 
There's no bad people in Tennessee. No, there's, there's no election people. fraud in Tennessee. in Tennessee. This is a red state, right? I trust. What you mean? You don't trust your fellow Tennesseans, Kevin? That they have your best interest. That's right. In mind? Always no sinners in Tennessee. That's what we say, right? <laughs> Which leads us to why do they come in? They come in from out of state. A lot of this does. I mean, but we're we're vulnerable because of the attitude that we just accept. We're just very accepting and saying, okay, this is okay. Well, in doing this is the other shoe that dropped on this. So you have the voter registration thing, and you have things like I found a new one. Honestly, it was sent mm-hmm. to me yesterday, called the Civics um, something Civics, the Civic Center, and that's in the high schools. Where they can, I mean, that's just a whole nother thing. However, when you partner that with other, you're talking about where do they get their money from, Zuckerberg and all of that. But the government is funding some of this, believe it or not. The Center for Internet Security is getting funding from yes. Department of Homeland Security and CISA, the Center for Internet Security Agency for the federal government. Right. And so now you've got the government giving third parties money. And what are they doing? Now, this was the other thing I found was that we passed the Zuckerbuck legislation, which is the the big one. But we have this back door that says, you know, you can't take this money. The state can't take this money. And then, but it says then fine print at the end, unless it's approved by the secretary of state, he approves it. Or a designee of the secretary of state. Yes, and that could be anybody. Could be, so again, these fabulous people in the state of Tennessee that do great research, I get a call that um, a person is at her um, election commission meeting and starts hearing about a conference that they attended. Guess where? Pasadena, California. I'm still trying to find out who paid for them to get there. But they belong to an organization called the Election Center. The Election Center wants 1,500 election commission offices, and they want to call themselves the train the trainers of our election people. And I'm thinking, how in the world... When you get to the um, agenda, which she found, and we find out who it's, uh, it reads a rogues gallery of leftist organizations, including the EAC, which has kind of a lot of rogue people in that that are very leftist. Let me interrupt for a second because Gary and I have talked about this as well. <clears throat> Remember when we were addressing the ability for the state to invest in banks and to own banks with taxpayer money, right? And the argument we kept hearing from the other side was, well, <laughs> the the current controller of the state of Tennessee is a good guy, right? So they wanted to leave it in the hands the of treasure, who they thought was yeah. a good guy. Or yeah. treasure, sorry. Yeah. So this legislation effectively does the same thing. You have legislation that protects against something we don't want, but at the end, it essentially gives the power to overturn that legislation to a secretary of state or to a designee of the secretary of state. Correct. Don't you love a law like this? <laughs> Your government can't do X unless they say they can. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's maddening. It's great, I, we need the scream for that. Yeah, how, how, did I, how did this happen? Because I said so. So again, the U.S. Alliance, one of these groups that was started with an $80 million grant given to them from the CTCL, the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which has $400 million from Zuckerberg, gets $80 million, and they want to go out and give grants to our local election commission offices around the country. And um, there's a membership, but we'll give you a scholarship for that membership. Mm-hmm. And what, what what do they want in return? This is a give and take. We'll come in and we'll give you certification. We'll give you a nice little, you know, you've completed this right. kind of award. 
But then tell us everything about how you run your election in your offices. So tell us, give it, give it, give us all that data. You have an email that was sent to someone in Lincoln County, right? It came from Lincoln County. Oh yes, I do. No, yes, the one yes, from yes, the Civic Information. Yes, I, can yes. you read that? Because I want people to understand the types of questions. Or if you don't have it, I can read it. Yeah, you can read it. Okay, so this is an email that came. I can't even pronounce this name. Nisa Yin. <laughs> and it was sent to a woman by the name of Sheila Allen. And, and Nisa Yin, by the way, is from the Civic Information Research. Oh, she's a Civic Information Research Associate. She also, by the way, Gary, you'll be happy to know, she's included her pronouns. She, uh, she, they. That's, well, that's important to know. <laughs> so not she, her. Right. She, she they. they. I don't even know she's, what that means. She's plural, apparently. Okay. Um, this is what she says to Sheila, who is... Part of the Lincoln County, Tennessee Election Commission. All right. Hi, Sheila Allen, which is funny. It's not even personal, right? Put your full name. Hi, Sheila Allen. My name is Nisa Yin, and I am a research associate at the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Each election cycle, we collect and distribute information about what will be on voters' ballots so that they can make informed decisions at the ballot box. To support this work, would you be able to provide a candidate list that includes the names and party affiliations for all local-level county candidates in the 22—this, by the way, was in November or late October—2022 general election in Lincoln County, Tennessee? Additionally, can you let me know if any special elections are happening on November 8th? Thank you for your time and help. If you have any questions about our work, please don't hesitate to reach out. And to the credit of Lincoln County, they did not— uh, to our knowledge, they never responded because they sent a second follow-up, um, you know, to, to that mm -hmm. to that request. And remember, that's the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Sounds really great. Zuckerberg money, gave money to the Alliance that goes into the—and you can see they're trying to harvest information. Sounds very innocuous. We're just trying to help you help others. Now, who is this sent to in Lincoln County? Is this a, some, of, a member of the election commission? Yeah, probably the election administrator. And okay. that was a public records request that we got from Lincoln County because we were trying to find out is the Center for um, for Tech and Civic like and the US Alliance are they have they gotten into our because there was a what and sure enough they had. Well, they tried we know that there is activity by the election center in I'm Shelby County. I'm just curious. County. Was this an information request specifically for Lincoln County, or did we, you you make that request in other counties? We've made it in other counties. Um, it's you know it's depends who's working in the other counties. Is kind of like trying to help us out. And they, it would be and they safe to assume that that mm -hmm. request was made of other yes, counties. Yes. Yeah. And specifically, we we're trying to find out: Are there any memorandums of agreements? with the county, with the election commission office, and we're now trying to kick it up and find out if there's any with the state. Because what happened in Georgia, they had a law similar to ours, Zuckerbucks, but they had this back door where it could come in through the local election commission office mm -hmm. in the county. Well, DeKalb County took the money and took became a partner with U.S. Alliance, and it went to court. And they and DeKalb County not only lost, they had to pay back the money, give everything back, because the Georgia law was much stricter than ours, and it was determined that they actually did violate the statute. Here, it would be or, or maybe or maybe their Secretary of State just hadn't given them permission first, <laughs> <laughs> or but, his designee. Yeah, but they've done great work in Georgia on things like this, and this again comes back to when we're on these national calls, we're getting this is trending nationally. And to think Tennessee, 
which has been, you know, targeted, it seems, from all over north, south, east, and west with people being coming into the state, to think that we would get out scot-free would be just the most naive thing we could ever think. You can tell by the way this letter is written, and, and if you didn't when I read it, this is a form letter that's going everywhere, probably to every single county in Tennessee and every single county across the country, or at least in the states that they don't already control. Because she says, not only to Hi Sheila Allen, right, your full name, but she says, are you able to give me any information about the general election in Lincoln County, Tennessee, right? When I'm sending you something and I know you work, for example, in Williamson County, I don't ask you to send me something from Williamson County, Tennessee. I just say, right. send me Williamson County's information. So clearly, this is just a broad brush. Take what you can get, whoever responds, and start the influence that way. Fishing expedition. Yeah. And they come up with these names and it all, and nobody looks past, you know, U.S. Alliance, uh, when the HEP and John Locke Foundation came out with the report, they came out with an entire report just on the U.S. Alliance. It's 14 pages long. It's frightening. And then they, um, that's where we got the memorandums of agreement, what the examples of those were. And we're having, um, we have to word everything just right to get the public um, records request because if it's not a memorandum of agreement, if it's just, you know, if they look at it differently and they change the words because the U.S. Alliance has gone kind of undercover now. They know we're watching them. We found these all over the country. These states have done great work and they have found them and they've kicked them out in a lot of the states. They are just kicking them out. So when you you have that happening, then you have to start looking to see where else are they. And so when we looked and found out that the election center had tr actually trained people from Shelby County and found out who was doing this training, you have the Center for Internet Security involved. When you get these third parties with a toehold, then a foothold, then a stronghold <clears throat> in, your, in your county commission, election commission, you got to remember, you can't FOIA what they are doing. Right. So you have... It this is an important aspect, too. Because so many states shut down the Zuckerbucks and the private money coming in and infecting it, all the federal government did was they say, OK, we're going to be basically the lead voice on this. But then they tell the people that they're interfacing with that they're doing it in partnership, you know, these so-called public-private partnerships. So this, this other letter that you have also going to Lincoln County is from the U.S. Election Assistance Center, which is like a sub a subset of CISA, talking about best practices, cybersecurity, wanting to train you, blah, blah, all under the auspices of a federal government program. And then they go on to say they're doing this in partnership with the Center for Tech and Civic Life. So they're letting, after the door has been closed by law, they're prying open the door again to let the same people in to spend money and to control not only the elections, but as, as you've said, to use that data for all of their other uh, activities as color revolutionists. And this is really important because it sets a narrative. If they begin to train our election officials and they begin to have that kind of voice into the our local offices, there's, they're driving a narrative. And I'll give you, for instance, for one of the narratives. One of the narratives is that, and actually Amy Klobuchar is introducing legislation, it'll probably drop next week, that wants to protect, it's a protection for poll workers and poll watchers that they're treating us as if we are the problem, that we're dangerous people, that, you know, we're in there watching what they're doing and that we're violent. And they actually, the DOJ, after the last election, had done a big study on this and found none of this is really true. 
But they're setting this narrative, which is going to make it difficult for us to get poll watchers. More moves to separate the citizen from the election process. Mm -hmm. Right. And and the good news— We want to get people as far away from the election process as possible. But the good news is now that we—the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress is now in the control of the Republicans, our voice is there. And there has been a move it's over several years to develop this piece of legislation called the American Confidence in Election Integrity Act, ACE. And yesterday, or this week rather, they had some hearings on this very issue. And the election center, the very center— that was part of this whole issue in Shelby County in Pasadena, California, they were testifying and they were asked if they knew where, you know, some of their funding comes from and some of their funding comes from the Arabella project, I think it is. And did you know that in Arabella that they have on one of their major donors for Arabella is a foreign national, a foreign national. So you have, (laughs) where's that money? So it's not just that it's out of state money. Where is that money coming from? And and just, you know, with, I'm looking at this report that was put out by the John Locke Foundation on this organization. And specifically when talking about the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which sent the email that you were referencing earlier to Lincoln County, it's led by a woman named Tiana Epps-Johnson, who interestingly comes from the Obama Foundation. (laughs) Tons of money from uh, the Democracy Fund and, again, as you just mentioned, the Arabella Advisors New Venture Fund. So it's it's all funded by these left-leaning groups led by leftists. And I find this statement interesting. Uh, It says, The group claims to employ a team of civic technologists, trainers, researchers, election administration, and data experts that connect local election officials with resources intended to, quote, modernize American elections. And I, you know, the more I've gotten into this election integrity conversation and dug into the machines and everything we saw with Dominion, uh, who apparently now won their lawsuit against no, 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 Fox it was or whatever. They did not settled. Win. Okay, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> settled. You know, the the term, this need to modernize American, what, Kat, we've talked about this a lot, paper ballots and, and all the things. What what does it mean and, and what is it about an election that needs to be modernized? How, how, how is it that an election needs to work in 2023 that it wasn't able to work in 1824? Right, like we could, we... Do we count differently? I, well, yeah. What 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 do we do? Right. What is the need for quote modernization? What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it means not, there is no need. Common Core math is that the problem? No. We did a reorg here in Williamson County, and to the credit of the election commission, they gave us that handmarked paper ballot. Six hundred people in less than an hour. Now the only holdup in that election was the. Actually, the tabulator. No, we, we talked about this at the end of our show last week. Let me clarify that. 600 votes twice, twice. in less than an hour. Twice. I mean, one one process of putting 600 voters through took about 20 minutes for one line, to, which is incredible when you think about what we see happening on a normal election day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, the hour wait outside to get to one of the six machines that are sitting inside of the gymnasium. Yeah, because as you explained, Gary, last week, 
isn't that about the size or that's even bigger than a lot of these voting centers take all day, right? Yeah, in Williamson during, County? during early voting on a typical day at one of these voting centers, you're going to get some, depending upon what the location, you're going to get somewhere between 200 and 600 votes a day. And people are standing in line, and we saw pictures of it and complaints about it. People who don't go really early, even early in the morning when I would go with my family, it was still a line. Yeah, and none of that. We got through 600 people twice. Twice. And, and not with, in an hour. The convention was long because there were speeches and all that, yes. But the voting process, 15, 20 minutes per 600 votes. And again, the only backup in the entire process was waiting in line to put it through the tabulator. That was the only, and that's technology. So we always say there's three parts to an election. Authenticate the voter, which is this whole voter registration issue, because that's a big deal. Authenticate the ballot, make sure that it's an authentic ballot, and the count. And how are you going to do any of that transparently if we want to, as Gary pointed out what it says, their goal to modernize is to put it behind the curtain. Go back behind the curtain, yeah. make it as le least transparent as possible, less checks and balances because of vote centers for the voter roll. And Cleta and I have had this conversation on the precincts many times because her goal is to say we need to get back to the precinct. That was the historical basis of elections. You know who the voters are. You know if the street exists. If you have a college student who's been given a form to make it look like they live here, which is we think is happening for utilities, and then they really don't live here. They, 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 you're, you have to be able to check and balance and know who your voter is. And you can't do that in a vote center. You can't look at the count if you're using tabulators. Nobody can see anything. Ten years ago, Cleta told me she did a whole study on what the left's purposes would be in elections. And they've accomplished almost all of it. Mail-in ballots and get rid of the precinct. Everybody who listens, or almost everyone who listens to this podcast knows what's going on. They mm -hmm. understand that these are, the, the idea of using a word like modernizing elections mm -hmm. is, is a mere euphemism, right? Correct. For, Why, how, for how to further control. Yeah, how to remove us from the electoral mm -hmm. process. Why is it that so many of our legislators, this seems to pass them by. They seem to accept that on face value, right? The word modernize the election, because I've heard our representatives use those words, turn them to me. Mike, do you really think this is about modernizing the election? You've really fallen for that? Why do you think so many of our legislators, Kathy, accept these words at face value when the people can see that a game is being played? Well, my biggest beef is that we do not really have any real hearings on these things. We don't have a setup in the state of Tennessee when we go into session, we say we're having a committee hearing. That, those aren't really hearings. Those are lobbyists had already prepared the talking points. We're not sitting down and asking hard questions. We're not challenging the process. We're taking the direction. We have a secretary of state that is appointed. He is not elected. And we have no control over what he does. The legislators do. Which takes us back to this legislation. They gave so, him that. So <laughs> it's not even the secretary of state who might have the desire to basically undo the entire statute that comes before the last half sentence. It's who has appointed that Secretary of State, because that's who has the power. And the Secretary of State in Tennessee is appointed by whom? The legislature. 
And we have an entire system being run across the country when you've had CISA, the government, partnering with private organizations and nonprofits. And then you have the EAC, the Election Assistance Commission, that was put together part of HAVA after the 2000 election. That's the quote-unquote experts that have done a terrible job certifying our election equipment. Now, this week, they had a meeting. They want to certify e-poll books, which are another disaster. They haven't done a good job there, but we keep that term modernization. We are not anti-technology. We are not. But we say not all technology is good. And if we're not willing to critically look at what is the, what are the results? What are the unintended negative consequences to what we're doing? We are going off the cliff. We have the good news is that we are, our eyes are open. We have people like Cleta Mitchell and the Election Integrity Network and all of the people there that do such great work like Ned Jones informing states who are forming coalitions, who are going back, going to their counties, because just as you just had a podcast a few, a few weeks ago, the answer's at the bottom up. The answer is not going to come from the top down. Mm-hmm. It's up to us. We have to return to self-government where we realize our voice matters and ask the questions. And when we get this kind of information, you know, we have to trickle back up. We have to go back to we, our we legislators. We need to trust that somebody is going to do something with this information. That that's that's the that's the issue for me. Well, that's where it's a key issue, and, it, and it it's is. the question, right? Because it, it would appear that it's not going to be our legislature. Right? We can't depend upon them or their virtue or lack thereof. So I, I think it's going to be a people movement. It has to be a people movement because we have gotten here because we've relied upon those we've elected and they continue to disappoint. They have their control files. They don't they don't march to our interests. They march to the interests of those who control them, who pay them, who have dirt on them, right? They lack integrity. So they make these decisions based on other motives, certainly not not in the way that America was founded, right? To represent the people. Well, so much of our legislation was shut down this year, just shut down. And it's kind of alarming because those very same things that we fought for have been raised in other states and passed. And I think that we have a brand new, we had a new subcommittee on elections, except for two members. And they're not very well informed because they're new to this. And so it, there's a learning curve for them. So it's up to us to take it up. And this investigation, this is our motto with our state election uh, coalition. You guys do the investigation. We have a whole voter roll group now. We have this group on citizens research. We have technology. You do the research investigation. We'll take it to legislation. And if we can't get legislation, we're going to have to go to litigation. And I am serious. When it comes to our, our state constitution on precincts and the vulnerabilities of suppressing the vote based on vote centers, that may have to happen, but we do have the information now, which we never did before, and that is our—that's the good news going forward. Kathy, before we hop off today, kind of, kind of overall rate the General Assembly's performance this year on election-related legislation <laughs> moving through. The, of course, we had, you know, we had a few pieces dealing with uh, voter rolls uh, maintenance. We had, you know, a bill that would have at least created a handmark secured paper ballots that would have been an option uh, to the counties. Um, we had a bill that would have done away with the vote centers and required us to vote in precincts per our state constitution. All of those um, and, and other things that I don't even recall at this point. But um, your your overall sentiment um, and, and some comments on what went through the assembly this, this year. 
Well, we batted zero. We got nothing. Nothing. N- nothing, honey. Not, nothing. Not one election integrity issue that we've been advocating for. Not one made it out of committee. Many uh, didn't even get a motion to be heard. Yes, that's true. The precinct did not get a motion, a, a second in the Senate. It was really, that was very sad. Uh, if we can't even get a hearing You now, couldn't even have the conversation. And then at the end, we were having, I'm hearing we had committees saying, we're going to just pull that legislation. Not even get it to, not get a second. We're just not going to even listen to it at all. And it's, it is disturbing. We are trending. We're watching the trends across the country. And we're going to be able to bring that to the table because we are not isolated, even though every state should run their own elections. We have to be cognizant that we are not an island. And what happens in Tennessee affects the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And people are watching. There would not be so much money and effort being poured into this state if they didn't have a good reason for it. They want control. And I think our General Assembly, if they want to take one message away, at least on the Republican side, if they don't do something about this voter registration, this activism, this bringing in the money through the back door and training our election workers, you can flip this state pretty quick. Kathy, that's a lot to digest. It is kind of disheartening. But it's important that our audience know that because it is happening in Tennessee and we can't allow people to to harbor the illusion that because you live in Tennessee, which is considered, quote unquote, a red state, to misunderstand what is actually happening in your counties. So as we said last week, get involved, right? Get involved locally because it's the last stand. It's It's the only area that we can control. We've proven that we can control it and work from the bottom up. Thanks, Kathy, for all your work and coming on with us today. Well, thank you all for you, June. Thanks for addressing this important topic. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. 